If you want to open your Bibles with me to Second Timothy, we're going to go back to Second Timothy. Last week we started a message discerning the times and understanding that if we don't discern the times and the seasons, not only is it going to be a problem for, for us individually, for our families, but for the progress of the kingdom during, during our time. Discerning the times, discerning the seasons, discerning the times as a whole in a big way, discerning seasons. We all go through seasons in our life, don't we? Everybody here goes through seasons. And if you don't discern the season, you're not going to know what to do in the season. So you have to, you have to discern it. You need to be able to see it, recognize it, and know what's going on. That's the reason you don't, well, most of you don't, run around in shorts and t-shirt when it's zero degrees outside. Some of you do. I've seen some of you. But, um, and, or, or run around in a full winter coat in, uh, when it's 100 degrees outside. Why? Because you've discerned. We're much better at discerning physical things and seasons and times than we are spiritual, though. See, we can discern a physical season and understand that this physical season is football season. We all know what to do during football season. Am I right about that? But it's a spiritual season as well. And if we don't know how to discern what's going on in the invisible realm, if we don't understand how to discern what the enemy is up to, we're going to be in trouble. It's the one, one of the reasons that community within a church is so vitally important. Because in that community, we're able to see seasons. The problem, we, the problem is, is that we live in a time where we run away from anybody that says anything to us that, that we don't like or that we disagree with, rather than saying, do they have something? Is anybody with me? Maybe I need to listen to see if there's something there. Paul's talking to Timothy about some times and seasons. And he's teaching him how to discern. But in this book, we find, you know, I think this is so amazing. And I don't know, maybe you have to get older to before it really starts to have an impact on you. I don't know, before you start to feel this way. But Paul is talking to young Timothy, who is a son in the faith. And, and as he talks to Timothy as a son in the faith, he's saying, you know, we, we were together on some missionary journeys. We traveled together, Tim. I love you, man. You're, you're, you're a good kid. You're, you got a good heart. And you got a good head on your shoulders, and there's a ministry there, and you're involved in it, and you're doing great. But I do see you getting a little bit timid. And so I, I, what, I'm, what I need to tell you is I'm passing the torch and I can't afford for you to give up. I can't afford for you to be afraid. I can't afford for you to be timid, Tim. I need you to stand strong in faith like a good soldier. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't turn around. Don't give in. Stand strong as a good soldier. Carry the faith. Carry the gospel to this generation. That's what he's telling them. 
See, Paul knows he's about ready to die. He knows that his, he's going to be martyred soon. And before he's killed, he realizes, I'm getting close. I want to write a letter to my young son in the faith. Not his real son, but son in the faith. And so I want to write a letter to him, and I want to encourage him. And at the same time, tell him I'd really like to see him. There's a big picture here. So he goes on, we talked about him last week, but he goes on here in chapter 3, and he says, I need you to know something about the last days. I need you to know that there is going to be some troublesome times. And so he starts out chapter 3 by saying, Tim, mark this. I need you to mark this. I need you to put a check mark in your head. I need you to, to, to mark this in such a way that you will never forget what I'm about to tell you. And then he begins to tell him some things about the last days. Now, is that to say that the things that Paul's about ready to talk to Timothy about were not a part of that? Was, was it like none of these things are happening now, but they're going to happen in the last days? No. What Paul is saying is, Timothy, you're going to recognize everything that I'm going to tell you, but there is going to be an, an escalation in the last days. Evil. Not only is it going to escalate, it's going to accelerate. It's going to do it. It's going to do it at a, a speed and velocity that we haven't imagined yet. And here's where the discernment thing comes in. Because as I talked about last week, there was a shift that happened in the spirit world during the time of COVID that was an obvious escalation of the enemy's efforts and if you have discernment then you already know that and if you haven't sharpened your discernment then you can know it it's going to be vitally important that you have Something that, what are the things that, um, there, there's a thing that they put in houses sometimes called a radon mitigation system. And the only way you know if a house needs a radon mitigation system is, is if you go in and you do a, a test to see what the, the radon levels are. We need to be able to test to know what the levels are. Are, are in the spirit world and how to respond to them. And what, we, what I'm afraid that many of us don't know is that the level shot up tremendously right around the same time as COVID. The entire world was touched by a virus. But while we're distracted by a physical virus, and I know I said some of this last week, but you got to go with me. While the entire world was distracted by a physical virus, there was something spiritual much darker, much more evil going on than we can imagine. We have to discern them. Paul says, Tim, mark this. In the last days, they're going to be terrible times. In the last days, 
there will be terrible times. What does that mean? That means that in the last days, there's going to be some terrible times. That's why y'all pay me the big bucks right there to know that kind of stuff. I kind of I went in, and on all these, and we're not going to get to very many of them today, but, but on all of these in this list, I went in. I did some Greek word studies and just digging in. And, and, and one of the things I found out is that, that part of the terrible times is going to be that people are going to experience a great amount of, of, of anxiety. Fear is going to move in, and there's going to be a great amount of anxiety. And we know that that happened right, right close to the, uh, the COVID time. But what has been interesting, not in a good way, but what has been interesting is to see that it not, not, not after we're out and not after we find out that certain things we were told would help, didn't help, and all this kind of stuff. But, but you would think now we're further, amo- further moved away from that, that the anxiety level would go down, but it's done just the opposite. It's continued to go up. Why would that be? Because there's something spiritual behind it. And so now... You deal with you deal with many of you are dealing with you deal with anxiety and sometimes you just can't feel why why do I feel so anxious what's going on has has anybody ever been there to where you started to feel some things inside and you're thinking I don't even understand why I'm feeling this now sometimes you know exactly why you're feeling so anxious but there are other times you don't know it's just like my 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 the the meter is is my my alarm is going off. Carbon monoxide is, is getting higher. The alarm's going off. But I don't know where it's coming from. I can't figure it out. Why? Because it's invisible. And it's the same thing with the spiritual realm. It's invisible. And so we have to learn to recognize it in other ways. And he gives Timothy a lot of ways to do it. Terrible times in the last days. Times of high anxiety. Even talks about these terrible times to the point of harm or injury. A, a potential persecution. Paul was dealing with some of that. They had to deal with Nero in, in, in much of the craziness that came along with him. And then the persecution of Christians that ended up coming. They knew some of that in their day. But it's because they stood. You don't have to be persecuted if you don't stand. All Paul had to do was not stand for the gospel. All Paul had to do was not stand for the truth. All Paul had to do was just blend in. Everything would have been fine. Somebody's got to advance the gospel. So he says in the time, in the last days, they're going to be terrible times. We've always experienced terrible times. But how many of you ever, how many of you have noticed that there's been an acceleration, an escalation of, of the terrible? 
some insanity that we see going on. The, this next one is the one I'm going to land on for the rest of the day, day meaning just a few minutes. <laughs> Lest you freak out and say, what? I didn't come here for a whole day. The good thing is this we're all going to get to sit here and just talk about the word and learn from it because this is not going it's not going to relate to any of you none of us deal with this one but of course they did back in the day and it is number verse two people will be lovers of themselves aren't you glad that we're not like them those people back then that loved themselves. Lord knows we're not like that. Right? Somebody say wrong. Thank you. We are one of the most self-absorbed, selfish, self-centered, self-interested, self, come here, give me some selves. Self-righteous, self-demand, self-what? Demanding, self-serving, selfish, self-centered. Self. What does what 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 do what does do brawny paper towels do? Self-absorbed. <laughs> Just had this picture in my head of that guy soaking up, you know, pouring out water on the countertop and self-absorbed it's all about self it's all about what makes me happy it doesn't matter the cost to anybody else where does that come from and and here's the worst part about it we never see it in ourself I see your selfishness. It ain't hard to see. Y'all are the one of the most selfish bunches I've ever seen in my life. Self-absorbed, self-centered. Y'all are the worst I've ever seen. Not really. But that's how we think. You're selfish. I'm not. Because we can't see it in ourselves. We, we're so busy seeing it in other people, we can't see it in ourselves. And if I don't see selfishness, self-absorption, self-centeredness, self-righteousness in me, then I'm not going to be able to do anything about what he's, I can't discern, I can't recognize. Why do people, this fascinates me, people who know the word. Here, here's Paul telling Timothy, I'm going to tell you, there, there's some people who, who just walked away from me, Tim. Because they love the world more. How do you know the scriptures and, and do that and not recognize that you are fulfilling this passage of last days and that you're selfish? It's because we don't see it in us. See, Marriage counseling would be easy if we could see selfishness in ourselves, But most of the time we can't. 
If I sit down with a man and a woman and I'm talking to them and I begin to share, each of them see selfishness in the other person, but they have such a difficult time seeing it within themselves. How do you deal with it? How do you deal with, how do we see it? You look into a mirror, you see yourself physically, right? How many of you have ever looked into a mirror? Anybody ever forgot to look into a mirror when you went out into public? No? Yes? Who are you people? Nobody's talking to me today. I remember going to preach one time, forgot that I'd sliced my face up shaving and I had little pieces of toilet paper stuck all over my face. I forgot to look into the mirror again before I left and I walked in the door and these people were so nice. All, I mean, they were all smiling and grinning at me as I walked in. And I'm sitting here thinking how sweet these people are. And so then I go up and I sit down and then I hear the whispers. And I just think the best in people. So I think they're probably all sitting there saying, oh, he's such a good young man. Just good to see young preachers like that and giving their heart to the Lord. And you know what they were sitting there saying is he doesn't know. He's got toilet paper stuck to his face. Because I didn't look in the mirror. They saw it, but I didn't see it. But there's a way. Because the scripture says that the word is a mirror. You tracking with me? How do I see myself? I can see myself as I look here. Because see, when I look at you all, or you look at other people, we all can come up with different things in our mind, but we can find somebody. I can find somebody in this room that's a bigger sinner than me. Guarantee it. I can find somebody in this room that's a lesser. But we don't want to talk about that one. I want to find somebody that's a worse, that is a worse sinner than I am so I can say, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. But when I look into the Word, it gives me no place to be able to escape the fact that I am a sinner. My sin is vile. And my sin hurts people. And it hurts the heart of God. Is anybody tracking with me today? See, that's where there's just no room. When we get to the gospel, there's no room. How do I know if I'm selfish? I get in the Word, and I read the Word, and I read where it talks about what love is in, in 1 Corinthians 13, and as I read down through there, if I see myself popping up, and I'm thinking, whoop, I messed up, nope, can't do, nope, not doing that, nope, I may be selfish. The Word's the only thing that exposes to me, here's the problem. When we get selfish, we don't want anybody giving us the word to tell us we're selfish. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody? Maybe as your maybe 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 oh maybe a wife, and you start reading the scripture to your husband. Well, the Bible says you ought to love your wife the way Jesus loves the church. And then he's saying, well, it also says, I don't know if you read it, but it says you're supposed to submit. 
And so the loving, awesome scriptures that are life-changing become tools that we slap each other around with. Anybody tracking with me? So rather than becoming less selfish or seeing ourselves in the Word, here's the problem. I see, I come in here and preach. This congregation changes about every six months. <laughs> How many of you have been here less than six months? No, really, raise your hand. How many of you have been here? Okay, see, it's half the congregation. It'll, why is it going to change? Because I'm going to say something that's going to hurt your feelings. And some of you are tough. And some of you have learned in life that if you're going to ever amount to anything, you're going to have to stick to something for a while and hear some things you don't like to hear and stop whining about being triggered about everything. Oh, Lord Jesus. There, there are 30,000 people in Kingsport that have been to Harvest Community Church. <laughs> Why don't you come anymore? Bud. <laughs> Bud. Bud preached something that hurt my feelings. Bud preached something that said, you know, and, I, and I understand, but toughen up. There's some bad stuff that happened in this world. Can you see the Apostle Paul when they come in there and they just beat him and put him back in prison? And when, the, and when they come out there and say, well, I don't want to go back in prison. I get triggered when I go in there. See, let me say something about trigger. Oh, Lord, I, I'm just destroying this message. <laughs> but I have to now that I open my mouth. Okay, I have to explain something. Once we give a term to things, once we give them a name, we adopt them as pets. So you may track it with me. Many of us have a lifestyle that we want to live. But sometimes things like work and such get in the way of the lifestyle. So I'm going to collect every letter out there that I can collect so that I can get what I need in some other way besides working. Give me a diagnosis. Now, for everybody that's offended watching online, of course, there's 20,000 people every Sunday. Here's what I want you to know. Y'all act like you believe that. <laughs> Maybe 20. But, but, but here's, here's what I want you to know. I want you to listen to me all the way through to this because now that I've started, I've got to finish it. When I was growing up, I thought just having a, you know, having a hard time focusing on a boring teacher. Not all of them are boring, but some of them are boring. Focusing on a boring teacher or not wanting to sit in my seat all the time, I thought that was just being a boy. I thought that was just testosterone. And I have no idea why I said it like that. <laughs> but I've since learned that there's letters for all that stuff. And I could have gotten help. 
because they told me it's called ADD, ADHD, LSD, <laughs> D, DDS. There's letters for everything. And so if you need some letters, I will sell you some letters so that you will never have to work. They'll, 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 we'll let the government pay so you don't have to ever work again. And you can live the life you want to live. You can go when you want to go. Do what you want to do. Live however you want. And all I have to do is sell you some letters. <laughs> so we adopt terminologies and letters. Oh. Y'all help me. <laughs> you don't know how hard this is. Me and the Lord talked about it on the way here today. I didn't know I was going to have to talk about it today. But, but I want to help you. And so a new term, triggered, is, is, the, is, the, going, is the fad. It triggers me. I'm triggered about everything. I'm triggered. I, I don't want to work because I get triggered when I go to work. My boss triggered me, so I, I just can't go back to work anymore. I get triggered when I walk into that building. I get triggered when I walk outside. I get triggered when I get triggered. I get triggered when my mama tells me to do something. I should not be doing it. Triggers me, mama. Psychiatrist, something. You should never tell your kids what to do because it's going to trigger them. This is the insanity. Now, some of you are sitting there saying, but bud, I, I, I think it's a real thing. Can I tell you something? Most of it is. I think there are some real cases of ADD or ADHD. But I think a lot of what we call some of those things are just kids being kids, being who they are, and we can't get them to shut up and be still long enough so that we can watch our shows on TV, so we've got to get them diagnosed and give them a pet. Give them some letters. Rather than putting that kid out in the backyard, taking him to a park and saying, run, man, run. What was his name? Run. What was his? Run, Forrest, run. Run. And what did Forrest do? He ran. He ran all around the world. He met cool people. Presidents and... I'm not saying there are not moments that medication may be needed for some things. I'm just saying we slap a drug at everything and now we can't figure out why the entire stinking world is drug addicted. We can't understand why corporations, Jesus help me, what in the world? <laughs> we can't understand why corporations can't drug test anymore. There are, there are companies that have stopped drug testing. Why? Because if they drug test everybody and then fire them or even suspend them, they're not going to have anybody working. And we're trying to figure out, well, wonder what's going on. We've been drugging our kids since they were little. I'm trying to. The whole time understanding that every word coming out of my mouth is offensive to this culture. Do people really get triggered? I believe so. 
I believe PTSD. There's another set of letters. Do you know that we all have PTSD now? I have PTSD because I was speeding down the highway and the policeman gave me a ticket. Now every time I see a police car, I have PTSD. What in? <laughs> but I'll give you that. If you were to get drug out of your car and get beat up, okay, that might cause something to happen in you that needs some help. But we cannot take what is true for a, for a minority of people and make it a fad among the masses. And here's what happens. People who truly deal with things such as being triggered, that truly deal with such things as PTSD, all of a sudden nobody believes it anymore because we see so much stuff, <laughs> fakery, people using it to try to be able to get a lifestyle that cost them nothing. Now some of you are saying, bud, are you running for president? <laughs> I don't mean for this to be, to sound like a political message. It's not, the, the word has so many things that teach us about so many things that are not just get saved and get baptized. And that's the, that's the most important, that's, that's awesome. But, but Paul is teaching Timothy, you're going to deal with stuff, Timothy. But here's, here's what happens, we, get, we go into this selfish mode and we can't get out of it because we don't see it. And we blame everybody around us for all of our problems and all of our troubles. When there's a remedy. But I'm not going to look to Jesus, am I, if I don't know I'm a sinner. Right? So if nothing is a sin, then I don't need Jesus. If I become my own God, then I do whatever I want to do, however I want to do it, become whoever I want to become. If there is no God, then what else is there to do? You might as well do it. Become your own God. But it's an empty life because there is a God who created you and loves you. I'm not belittling struggles. I've been through struggles. I've been down the road where I didn't even want to live. I've been through struggles when I didn't know what to do. I've been through struggles that I didn't know how do I come back from this? How do I come back from this? How do I keep on moving? For I've been through struggles. I'm not saying that there are not real struggles. I'm not saying that what you're going through is not a real struggle. What I am telling you is rather than to just adopt them and stay in them, bring them to Jesus. 
Bring him to Jesus. Bring him to Jesus. Because, oh, because we live in the days of self-interest, selfishness, self-absorption, self-everything, how, how do you battle that if we know selfishness uh, and it's been high it's always been high why because but because but, but listen because why did satan rebel against god he was so selfish and prideful that he wanted to take god's place he didn't want god telling him what to do he wanted to lord it over god and so he attempts a coup and how many of you know that, that if you attempt a coup with God, you lose? And he lost. But in time, if you had a meter that shows selfishness, and we'll say that meter only goes to a 10, then it shot up over the last few years to a nine and a half. And now... We run from churches, we run from marriages, we run from families, we run from jobs, we commit to nothing because everybody out there is hurting our feelings. And can I tell you, can I tell you something? I know I can. That's the only reason I'm talking to you because I know I can. If you grow up to become all God wants you to be, you better hope that God puts some people in your life that will tell you things that you don't want to hear. Are you tracking with me? You don't grow without somebody telling you. Some of you are really good at self-correcting. That is something God put in me a long time ago. If he puts his self in you and he puts his character in you, then you have a desire to, to self-correct. And that means when you do it wrong, nobody has to keep on telling you to get it right. You saw it, you know it, and you've already started to make changes. But some don't self-correct and some don't correct when somebody says something that hurts their feelings. And that's why we have such an immature culture where nobody grows up and everybody's whiny babies and what I just said is not true. There are people out there who have a great faith in God. There are people out there who are Davids. Who are disciples who are walking with Jesus. And who have chosen to say, I'm going to walk with him. It's really hard to preach a message on selfishness. Anybody imagine? It's pretty tough. Because I try to put myself in, in, in your seat and hear what you're hearing. And what I hope you're hearing is that you have a pastor who loves you, who in the moment 
is preaching prophetically, wanting to help all of us know how to navigate these days that we live in and to recognize the things that, that will mess us up from doing it, from walking and living a spirit-filled life. That's what I hope. But just like they wanted to stone and kill the prophets in the Old Testament and some in the New Testament, it just shows you that not everybody wants to hear it. But I'm doing it because I love you. You're my family. And I want you to, I want you to experience this. How do, let me, let me kind of land this. Look with me, look with me at, first, uh, at, at chapter 1, verse 6. How do we do this thing? How, how do we correct this thing? How do we recognize? Paul tells Timothy, he's already got through talking about his faith. It was in his grandmother and in, and in his mother. And he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan, it, to fan into flame. So there, it says there's some embers in there, Timothy. I see it. There's still, there's still a little bit of fire in you. No, it's not raging. No, it's not passionate. But there's still a little bit of fire in you, Timothy. And here's what I'm telling you. Fan that flame. Fan that flame of the gift that you've got through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. Timothy, fan the flame. There's a little bit of fire in you. You used to be passionate about the Lord. You used to be, you used to be passionate about praying. You used to be passionate about the Word. You used to be passionate about coming and gathering as a community and learning together. You used to be passionate about, uh, about instilling into others what I put into you. You used to be passionate about those things. Here's what I'm telling you, because, and this is Timothy, because people have left you, because people have walked away, because you've had to deal with people from the inside. He, that some of the ones, and we'll deal with that, but some of the people he had to deal with are people from the inside of the church that were opposing everything that he tried to do. It's going to happen, and Timothy was getting timid and wanted to quit, and Paul's saying, you can't quit, Timothy. The gospel has to go forward. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's not about your hurt. It's not about your pain. It's not about who's walked away from you. It's about getting this gospel and taking it to the world because it's all coming to an end one day. And we've got a little bit of time. Get the gospel out. Jesus saved sinners of which we are all. And Jesus washes it away. Timothy, don't be timid. God has not given you that spirit. And sometimes the reason what I, some of the things that I say sound so foreign is because we have a world out there that wants to keep us down. We have a world out there that wants to keep us ineffective, that wants to keep our mouths shut, never saying anything about Jesus or the gospel or telling anybody they can have life in the gospel. Just shut up and do your thing. That's, what, that's why this seems so foreign. 
Because you live in a world every day where everybody has shut up and, and, and it's all the voices that are saying contrary to who God is and contrary to scripture that we hear. You come in and hear this and it's like, oh, I don't know. Should I be offended or what should I do? Should I hug him or should I punch him? I don't even know what to do. I'll tell you, hug me. <laughs> Fan the flame. Fan the flame. If you ever had a campfire and there's red embers, but you needed that thing to start, so you have to just kind of give it some air. And you fan the flame, and all of a sudden, and you get a fire. Inside of every person in this room, just a little fire down there, just a little bit. Some of you are blazing. Some of you are pretending to be blazing, but your fire's not there. See, when you've been in church for a long time, you know the lingo, you know how to talk the talk, and you know how to walk the walk. Sometimes we talk the talk and walk the walk, but there's no real fire. And what the Lord is saying is you get, to get through some of the things we're going to deal with, you're going to have to have some real fire. Real fire. Because it gets exhausting, some of the storms that we have to deal with. Sometimes it is literally exhausting, some of the storms that we have to deal with. I talked to a family this morning that they themselves went through battling cancer and now they're dealing with it in another family member. And I'd say it's just exhausting sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes you feel like you just get your head and, uh, up, up and you breathe before another wave knocks you down. But here's what I'm telling you, and it's what Paul's telling Timothy. Timothy, it's going to get tough. But you got to know ahead of time, times are going to get tough. you got to know ahead of time, there are going to be some tough times. Yes, sometimes you want to quit, but you don't do it. You stay in the game. You keep your head in the game, Tim. You keep focused on what it's all about, Tim, and it's about the gospel. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him, and it's about the gospel and getting the gospel to them. That's what it's about. And we got to get it there. How do we one minute how do you go? How do you deal with selfishness? How, how do you deal with it? Since we can't see it very often but we know we're all touched with it how do you deal with it? Here's the one way you deal with it. You serve. Is anybody with me? You serve. How do you love her? You serve her. Right? And for all of you guys that think I was just talking about him... <laughs> I'm talking about all of us. How do we love? How do we love our wives? We serve our wives. We serve them. How do you love your community? How do you make a difference in children's lives? You serve. You come here and serve. There are other places to serve. But if I'm serving... 
it keeps away the, the selfish monster. It's just like giving is the only way to deal with greed. You can't see greed most of the time, but I'm going to tell you this. I will tell you somebody not greedy is people who freely give, freely, generously give away from themselves. It says this to greed. You ain't coming on my porch. Right? How do I tell selfishness to stay out of my yard? I do it by, by serving. Let's bring it back. Let's bring back serving. I'm telling you, if you start doing it, people are going to think, what in the world's wrong with that man or that lady? Were you ever taught to hold a door open for the ladies? Were you taught that? Are your parents here today? No? Okay. Sure. I'll tell you. You know, we don't get that teaching anymore. Why? Well, because they're very well capable. Can you not open a door yourself? You could. You're going into a building? Now, I don't do it in the car. Some of you okay. Don't, y'all going to be watching me while I get in the car. So you going to open the door for Carla? We get in at different times. So it's, that's a whole other story. That saves our marriage, me not doing that. But you're going, into a, you're going into a building, open a door. And when you walk in, there are going to be some that are going to say thank you. And there are going to be some that are going to get ticked off. You think you're better than me? You think you men are bigger, especially you old men? Think you're better than we are? I'm a woman. I can do anything. If you can do anything, be the woman that God created you to be and serve your husband. See, y'all were riding that one good as long as I was talking to the men. I hope he's hearing this. Serve his wife. I hope he's hearing it. I hope. And then it's like, oh, man, he had to say it. Come to the marriage class, and I'll, we're going to show you how. We're going to talk to you about some of these things. We're going to sing. So let me leave you with this as we sing. There's a world in need. There are children who need teachers. There are classes that need people who are committed rather than being committed to not being committed. Some don't need teachers yet. They just need somebody who is willing to change the dirty diaper and pray over that baby. And some of you are going to say, Bud, I don't do dirty diapers. <laughs> I understand. But what about the next stage up? How are we going to take this generation gloriously to the kingdom of God? How? Fan the flame. Fan the flame. God, wake me up.
this world has put me to sleep. My desire to please myself has put me to sleep. My selfishness has rocked me to sleep. My self-absorption has kept me from seeing anybody else. God, help me see what you see. Wake me up. Can we sing this together as a prayer? Yes. You're welcome to come here too, as some did earlier, if you, if you sense a need to do that. But can we, from the sincerity of our heart, just sing, Lord, wake me up. Wake me up. Fan the flame. Put me in the game. Would you stand?